On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, Gary Lineker's score and the BBC's own goal. Forget Auntie's bloomers. BBC sports coverage last weekend was the ultimate own goal. Because Match of the Day host Gary Lineker condemned the UK's new immigration law and was suspended from hosting the show. But it's not fair that people who travel through a string of safe countries and then come to the UK illegally can jump the queue and gain our system. This bill will bring an end to that. Enough is enough. We must stop the boats. Now he's back, but the row rattles on as the BBC's impartiality is called into question. I'm Siobhan Maguire, and to find out more, I'm joined by the Irish Independence Deputy News Editor, Rory Tevlin. Um, I've already said what I'm going to say on Twitter. Um, If I say anything more now, it just encourages people to doorstep me. Rory, everybody is still talking about this story, even though the suspension against Gary Lineker has been lifted. Now, he didn't present last week's match of the day, but what happened? So in the absence of Gary Lineker and all the other pundits and presenters, Match of the Day was cut back to just the highlights of the games and the goals. And interestingly, it actually got a 500,000 bump in terms of the viewing figures, which I'm sure, you know, there's some people would say that it's because there was no analysis. There's Tory MPs who are claiming that. And it's all just about the goals and the highlights. But it is interesting that on the week where Gary Lineker wasn't there, the viewing figures went up. I'm sure if it continued on in that vein, you know, it would fall back slightly in terms of the number of people viewing it. But as a as a once-off experiment in removing the uh, the well-known faces from Match of the Day, the viewing figures actually went up. The flagship show Match of the Day was a short, some would say bizarre version, with no commentary or presenters. And now opposition politicians are accusing the corporation of caving in to political pressure. It was the splash story across the UK newspapers all weekend and the beginning of this week. This all stemmed from one particular tweet, didn't it? It all started from a tweet and Gary Lineker's view of the illegal migration bill. 
So last week, um, the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, put out a video outlining their new policy um, on the illegal migration bill, and Gary Lineker responded with a tweet which read, It is an immeasurably cruel policy directed at the most vulnerable people in language that is not dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 1930s. The obvious implication there being the, the rise of the Nazis and how they came to power which obviously is quite loaded language, particularly in the UK, and it all kicked off from there. And actually, Rory, let's have a listen to that particular video that that basically blew all this issue up. Last year, over 45,000 people made the unsafe, unnecessary and illegal journey across the channel. Our asylum system has been overwhelmed. We're now spending almost £7 million a day on hotels. Stopping the boats is one of the five promises the Prime Minister has made to the British people and it's my top priority. That's why today I'm announcing a new illegal migration bill to do exactly that. Rory, we must stop the boats. I mean, it, it's, it's not the nicest of language to use uh, when you're looking at the, the grave problem facing so many asylum seekers the world over. At a time when the UK is facing so many challenges, it does seem slightly strange that this is the hill that the Conservative Party are, are, are willing to die on. And the, just the video itself, you know, you heard a clip there, it's very dramatic, you know, somber music. Suella Braverman is kind of, you know, almost, almost pleading uh, to the camera, which is, you know, it's, it's very Trumpian. It's very, you know, the, the Conservatives seem to have taken on some of the some of the excesses of, uh, of Donald Trump and the right in the US. And it's putting it out there as this massive problem, as if the UK is being overrun by immigrants arriving on boats. And it's a specter of, you know, the whole system being kind of uh, swamped by people arriving in the country which does seem fairly excessive. And this is what Gary Lineker was, was kind of pushing back on. Now, you can argue about, I know uh, Eamon Dunphy has reacted over here and, and claimed that, you know, it was slightly attention-seeking in, in the language he used. But it's, it is very dramatic in the picture that the Conservative Party are painting ahead of this bill that they're trying to introduce to, in their eyes, solve the, uh, the migration crisis that they, they have in the UK. And it is a crisis. Over the years, we've had some incredible footage of uh, men and women and children coming in on these very small, little, unsafe-looking boats, no life jackets on them, um, in a bid for for some kind of safe haven in the UK. I mean, from the government's point of view, there may be an issue with in terms of the numbers coming in, but. Certainly for the people seeking asylum, they are genuinely scared of their home country. Where are you from? From Sudan. From Sudan? Have you come from Calais? Have you come from Calais? How many of you? One, two, three, four, five. Thirteen people. Twelve. Thirteen of you. Are you okay? You don't have life jackets. We don't have jacket. We don't have jacket. Yeah, these are desperate people in desperate circumstances and i think it, this is a this is a, the migration issue is something that's being seen all over 
uh, Europe, certainly. You know, in Ireland, uh, the number of people uh, on the back of the Ukraine war has been going up considerably. So this is this is an UK problem alone. But the language and the, the forcefulness of what they're doing, I think, is kind of uh, polarizing um, people in the UK. You know, on the one hand, you have people who are fully supportive of it. And on the other, you have people who are, you know, Gary Lineker is, is being a, a champion of who are saying this is cruel and should not be um, followed through on. So Rory, the BBC rowing in on the row and doing what they did by banning him hasn't gone down very well. Um, there's kind of two sides, you know, so you have, and it's all very political, you have the opposition parties saying, you know, what right has the BBC to come in and, and have such political sway on the comments from a freelance employee? What we've seen in this Gary Lineker episode, we saw 36, 36 Conservative MPs write to the BBC BBC essentially asking for Gary Lineker to be punished. That that was wrong of those MPs, those Conservative MPs. And if we're going to draw a line and restore the, particularly the perception of the independence of the BBC, I think we need to take some real strong measures. And I think the chairman of the BBC, Richard Sharp, should resign. And then you have the other side. Lefty Lineker, who presents himself as a sports presenter with very scandalous views you would think that by bringing him back would bring some sort of resolution to it, but it certainly hasn't. You know, on the one hand, as you said, the Tories are branding it uh, a capitulation. You know, elements of the right-wing press, the Daily Mail, are kind of up in arms about it and, and saying that, you know, the BBC have essentially caved in uh, to Lineker and allowed him. And in his in his statement when he came back uh, on Twitter, uh, Gary Lineker obviously referenced uh, the, the issue again. So on that side, they're angry. And on the other side as well, people are, you know, there's, there's issues around the impartiality of the BBC. Has the BBC brand been irreparably damaged? The leadership of the BBC, will that be allowed to continue? Who should head up the BBC? So there's an awful lot going on here, which I don't think is just, it's not just about Gary Lineker. It's not just about Match of the Day. There's, there's a wider, wider issue at play, I think. Exactly, because, uh, you know, there are several calls for heads to roll now at the top of the BBC. Uh, Richard Sharp, the chair, he's been mentioned before in terms of securing an £800,000 loan for Boris Johnson, then PM, while he was going for the big top BBC job. And then you have Tim Davies, who is the director general, speaking out and saying he's sorry for the way things went down, but that everything's okay now. Yes, well, what this crisis has kind of pulled into the public imagination a little bit more is the background of the people who actually head up the BBC. So Richard Sharp um, is a former banker. He uh, spent a lot of his career in Goldman Sachs and actually would have been um, Rishi Sunak's boss in, in, in the bank at one stage. And he has been caught up in a controversy around the facilitation of what's reportedly an £800,000 loan to Boris Johnson and his role in that. So that has kind of, this crisis has thrust him back into the limelight and it's very questionable whether he can continue because his uh, his reputation has been hugely damaged by this and but interestingly um the the 
it's a political appointee. So he got the job on the BBC board um, through the government and Boris Johnson would have been the prime minister at that time. So it's actually only the government or if Richard Sharp decides to take the decision to step away himself, but the BBC cannot sack him. So there's only two ways he can go out of the job, and that's if the government decides that they no longer want him there, or he decides that he can't continue in the role due to the controversy around his position. And all these questions then arise over the licence fee, and is the appointment system fair? Should it be revisited? I mean, should the government have any say in in who gets what job, in uh, uh, the top job even, in the state broadcaster in the UK? Well, that's it. There's a whole debate going on, and you know we we have a similar debate here with RTE in terms of, in terms of the license fee. But it's interesting that on the back of this, uh, certain uh, conservative uh, MPs are almost using it as a threat. So the license fee, Gary Lineker, this whole thing, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, I think, was uh, particularly um, forceful in terms of saying that the you know. There needs to be reform of the licence fee and it's almost being used as a threat against the BBC in terms of if the government of the day, the Conservative government, do not like what's being done, that this threat of cutting the licence fee, reforming it, whatever you want to whatever you want to say, is there. And certainly um, Rishi Sunak, uh, a spokesperson for Rishi Sunak, when asked about that, did very little to kind of dampen any fears that might be there in terms of the BBC side of things of reform of the licence fee uh, further down the track. Now, Gary Lineker has come out of this quite well, Rory. Um, he, you know, he's, he's much liked, he seems quite popular and he's, he's emerged the kind of winner in all of this. Well, the thing about it is Gary Lineker is a hugely popular figure in the UK. Uh, you know, Match of the Day um, and s- similarly here, it has a massive audience. It's a, it's a bit of an institution in terms of the coverage of English football and he's been the, the face of that for many years. But before that, he had, a, he had an amazing career as a footballer. He won a golden boot at a, at a World Cup. Yeah, he was, you know, very immensely popular, played in Spain for Barcelona, who are obviously a huge club. So in terms of his career, he's hugely popular. Then went into broadcasting. And I don't think you can mention Gary Lineker without talking about the crisp adverts. When a crisp as irresistible as Walker's introduces a new cheese and onion flavour, there's no more Mr. Nice Guy. So for year, many years, he was the face of Walker's Crisps, a hugely popular brand in the UK. So he's kind of both has a football audience, and he, but he also has a public face in terms of those crisp ads, which, you know, kind of launched him into a, a more, a different kind of sphere in terms of his popularity. So he was also already very popular. And I think in terms of this crisis, um, he's come out of it. Uh, you know, the people that don't like Gary Lineker, the Jacobs Reese Moggs of this world, probably didn't like Gary Lineker before this, and they're not going to like him afterwards. But it's done, it's certainly bolstered uh, in terms of people who might be um, sympathetic to his viewpoint on migration and those sorts of issues. It's definitely, uh, it definitely hasn't uh, damaged him in that respect. And uh, I think it's, uh, at the weekend there was, uh, he was being, he, he went to a Leicester City game, he's a Leicester City fan, and uh, there was people chanting his name in the crowd. Uh, so, you know, that's that's probably 
going to be good for his ego. In terms of Lineker's behaviour on the pitch, he was he was he was a good boy in sport. He he wasn't getting carded. He was he's very well behaved. Yeah, he was exemplary almost to a fault. Uh, he, he never received a red card in his entire career, and he played in an era when physicality was you know was was a badge of honour. And there was many other kind of other players that would have gone around kicking people up and down the pitch, but that was that was never his game. Um, yeah, he was very, very honest, scored a lot of goals um, and didn't really ruffle feathers in terms of his career. And uh, I think there was, there, was a, there was a moment in the 1990 World Cup um, when um, Paul Gascoigne kind of broke down in tears and Gary Lineker was the guy who kind of put the hand over the shoulder so uh, and tried to console him as he was on the pitch, you know. So there was those kind of things throughout his career that kind of um, really kind of fans, fans took to him. And Rory, that makes sense as to why when all of this blew up last weekend, there was a massive show of solidarity for Lineker. It was phenomenal. Ex-players, current players, commentators, all standing by him. About five or ten minutes after that news broke, Ian Wright put out on social media that he would now, as um, a show of solidarity, will not also be presenting Match of the Day. This tweet from Alan Shearer has just appeared on Alan Shearer's timeline. It says, I have informed the BBC that I won't be appearing on Match of the Day tomorrow night. So, Match of the Day tomorrow night will not have the host, Gary Lineker, and Alan Shearer, and Ian Wright. And I assume um, more will follow. Let's... Yeah, it was, and speaking from our, our newsroom, it, it, it kicked off on Friday evening uh, that he was being um, suspended from Match of the Day, but the story just kept developing almost minute by minute. So Ian Wright came out, uh, who's a, a friend and colleague, came out within five minutes of, of the decision being made in support, and then it's just it, it just turned into a snowball. Alan Shearer backed him, uh, the commentators all backed him, they weren't going to uh, work on match of the day, and then it just uh, like the the stories that have emerged in terms of the chaos that ensued in the BBC as their sports coverage basically was obliterated on the back of people deciding to boycott um, work in support of Gary Lineker, uh, a football focus, which is a staple of their their Saturday morning coverage, couldn't take place, um, and it yeah it really just it turned into just one of the stories of the weekend. Absolutely massive, yeah. Now, the BBC will be hoping this dies down um, in the coming days and that uh, people will be tuning in to see Gary again back on their screens this weekend. What is likely to happen from the fallout? Well, in the immediate term, it would be very interesting to watch if Gary Lineker references it when he comes back on Match of the Day. He's due to cover uh, Manchester City versus Burnley in the FA Cup on Saturday, and he has been known in the past to uh, make light of situations. So it'll be very interesting in terms of his response to it all. But going forward, as we said, Richard Sharp, his his position is looking increasingly increasingly untenable. Labour, Keir Starmer has has said that, you know, he just can't continue in the position. There's an ongoing review now of um, the BBC uh, social media policy and uh, there's also um, a review of how Richard Sharp got his job in the first place. But then there's also Tim Davey, he's the Director General of the BBC, who hasn't come out of this uh, really... um, 
well at all. So I think the fallout from this is only going to continue. Gary Lineker is back in the job and will continue, I'm sure, to work as professionally, professionally as he always has done. But the people, the higher up in the BBC, the, the management and the decision makers, there ha- there has to be change going forward because uh, the brand has been so badly damaged. The BBC, such an institution in in the UK for for generations, and it's it's hard to see um, how they come out of this um, in terms of the same management structure. We started off the conversation talking about the extra 500,000 viewers who watched Match of the Day on Saturday night. Uh, Would you imagine that those figures will soar with uh, Gary Lineker back in the hot seat? You would think so. So I'd imagine for people who who tuned in for the, uh, you know, the anomaly and uh, uh, of not having any commentators, I'm sure people will be viewing in droves. Uh, I know I certainly will uh, to see how it all goes now. Now Gary's back in the chair. Um, So it'll be very interesting to see how it goes on, on Saturday. And a man of his principles. Indeed, indeed. And I don't think he would be backing down anytime soon. And as I said, the the message he put out on Twitter um, after the decision was making, made to um, to uh, put him back in the chair, I, I don't think he will be um, shying away from making political statements anytime soon. And my thanks to the Irish Independence Deputy News Editor and football fan, Rory Tevlin, for joining me today. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today's episode was produced and researched by myself with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from Sky News, UK Home Office, Channel 4, Al Jazeera, BBC, TalkSport and Independent. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.